Hey there, it's Carrie. Thank you so much for joining me on this latest episode of Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma. This is episode nine, and we're going to talk about what the Adverse Childhood Experiences Questionnaire, or ACEs, is. I am so glad that we're walking the path towards healing together. So just a quick reminder, I'm not a clinician, counselor, or physician. I'm a certified trauma support specialist with lots of lived experience with trauma. Also, just to note, the information presented in this podcast is for educational purposes only and not meant to replace treatment by a doctor or any other licensed professional. All right, let's dive in. So in the last episode, we talked about childhood trauma between the ages of 13 through 18. And as we've gone through how childhood trauma can affect us from before we're born through the age of 18, I thought this would be a good place to talk about the Adverse Childhood Experiences Questionnaire, or ACEs. So just what is it? Well, to start, adverse childhood experiences are potentially traumatic events that happen during childhood. And it could be anything that made a child feel unsafe and threatened in some way. The ACEs questionnaire was developed by Kaiser Permanente, and they conducted a study from 1995 through 1997. The ACEs questionnaire is a series of 10 questions describing different traumatic events that might have happened before the age of 18. These questions are yes and no and fairly easy to answer. However, there are many different types of traumatic events this study doesn't cover. It doesn't take into account things like environment, racism, or other forms of discrimination, natural disasters, and many other contributing factors. According to the Centers for Disease Control, or CDC, 61% of adults have experienced at least one ACEs before they were 18, and nearly one in six reported four or more ACEs. A high ACEs score is considered as four or more. A score of seven to 10 is extremely high. My score is an eight. The only questions I answered no to were parents getting divorced and parents being incarcerated. A high ACEs score has been shown to contribute to many different health issues, both mentally and physically. A high score can lead to depression and other mental health problems, along with chronic health conditions such as heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. Studies have also shown that a high ACEs score can reduce your life expectancy by 20 years. I highly recommend watching a TED Talk done by Nadine Burke Harris called How Childhood Trauma Affects Health Across a Lifetime. And I'm going to put it up on my website, InvisibleWoundsHealingFromTrauma.com. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the questions of the questionnaire to you. And for every yes answer, give yourself one point. Remember, you don't have to do this now or at all if you don't want to. Whatever's most comfortable for you. 
You can also find this online and can take it that way if you choose to. If it becomes triggering, stop listening, take some deep, slow breaths, and come back when you're ready. Are you ready? Here we go. Before your 18th birthday, question number one, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? Answer yes or no. Question number two. Did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? Answer yes or no. Question number three. Did an adult person at least five years older than you ever touch or fondle you or have you touch their body in a sexual way? or attempt or actually have oral, anal, or vaginal intercourse with you? Answer yes or no. Did you often or very often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special, or that your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other, or support each other? Answer yes or no. Question number five. Did you often or very often feel that you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes, and had no one to protect you, or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it? Answer yes or no. Question number six, were your parents ever separated or divorced? Answer yes or no. Question number seven. Was your parent or caregiver often or very often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at him or her, or sometimes often or very often kicked, bitten, hit with a fist, or hit with something hard, or ever repeatedly hit over at least a few minutes or threatened with a gun or a knife? Answer yes or no. Question number eight. Did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic or who used street drugs? Answer yes or no. Question number nine. Was a household member depressed or mentally ill or did a household member attempt suicide? Answer yes or no. Question number 10. Did a household member go to prison? Answer yes or no. So go back and add up your yes answers. If you had four or more, it is very likely that you have had impacts from those traumas in your life. Do you struggle with mental health issues or have difficulty in your relationships with others? Have you had substance abuse issues, self-harming behaviors, suicidal thoughts or actions? Have you had issues around weight, even eating disorders? Do you have trouble holding down a job? Do you struggle to focus, concentrate, and remember things? Do you have anxiety and panic attacks? 
When we have chronic or toxic stress as children, as we've been learning, that constant fight, flight, or freeze mode is constantly on. It doesn't shut off. Also, what each individual child sees as something traumatic will be different. It's very personal. So something you may have experienced as a traumatic event during childhood may not be traumatic to another child. Being in that survival mode shuts off that front part of our brain, the thinking part. Those of us with a high ACEs score can struggle with so many different things in our lives. Those survival pathways that our brains have built are automatic, and we can often react to things in a certain way without even thinking about it. So personally for me, being faced with any change or uncertainty in any type of situation, but particularly regarding housing stability, job stability, and finances, throws me completely for a loop. Of course, people without trauma worry about those things too, but they have some things we don't. They have the confidence and ability to assess the situation, create a plan of action, and follow through in order to solve the issues. Somewhere along the line, they had a healthy role model to teach them how to deal with things as they came up. And for many of us with trauma, we didn't have anyone to teach us or to help us process things. Often for those of us that are survivors, uncertainty is a huge red flag or stressor. We absolutely need to know that we have safety and security to be able to get through life because we didn't have that as children. So we're always looking to that next thing, the next situation that might happen to derail us. We expect the worst out of ourselves and our lives. We've been hurt, burned, and disappointed so much in the past. Why should we expect something good or positive? Many people in our lives have hurt us, let us down, disappointed us, so we don't trust others. No matter what we do or what others tell us, we just can't shake that feeling of impending doom that's lurking around the next corner. So we hide, avoid, procrastinate, and feel completely overwhelmed. We have no motivation. We freeze up. We feel helpless, like we aren't in the driver's seat in our own lives. That fear brain keeps us stuck. We may disassociate or feel disconnected from ourselves and the world around us. We may even get to the point where we just can't get out of bed. We have that feeling like we're drowning with nothing to grab onto, no one to throw us a rope to pull us out of the water. Because we don't take any action, whatever that situation is that we're afraid to face, eventually rears its ugly head until we can't avoid it anymore. We're forced to deal with it. For example, if we didn't pay that bill, we might be hounded by collectors. If we've lost our job and are frozen, we might run out of money. If we have to move and avoid looking for a new place, we may be facing eviction. If we've been sick and avoided going to the doctor, our condition might get worse. I so very much relate to all of those situations. I have been there, that awful stuck feeling, that overwhelming feeling, just trying to get through my day minute by minute. 
And if that's all we have to do is get through minute by minute, that's okay. There are just times that that's the way we have to get through. And there's no shame, there's no blame, and nothing wrong with it. As I keep saying, the good news is, is that with all of the things we've been learning together, we can rewire our brains to correct some of that damage that happened to us when we experienced our traumas. So let's see if we can sort out some of that overwhelming stuff. The first step is literally looking at the first step and not the whole staircase. It is so hard to do. I constantly have dozens of different scenarios, ways different situations could go in my head all the time. I literally have to see a red stop sign in my mind to get off the crazy train and stop the hot mess of thoughts rolling around in my head. I explain my chaotic thoughts like dozens of butterflies flitting around inside my head. We have to pick a starting point in order to try and reorient ourselves, to get back in touch with our brains and bodies, and try and calm that overwhelming feeling so that we can take some action and get us a little forward movement. So this is where I like to close us out with an exercise we can add to that mindfulness toolbox that we're building together. Remember, you don't have to do this now or do it at all if you don't want to, but you might just listen and tuck it away in your mind for future reference. And as we've been talking about being overwhelmed, here are some things that you can try that might help. So first, practice the pause. Stop and visualize a stop sign if that helps you. Take a step back. Start with our mindful belly breathing. Breathe slowly in through your nose to a count of five, and your belly should naturally push out as you inhale. Hold your breath for a count of one. Slowly breathe out through your mouth. Your belly should naturally move in when you exhale for a count of five. Do this five times. Next, If you can take a break from your physical space, do it. Walk out of your room, office, or cubby. Get outside and go for a short walk if you're able to. And when you're ready, find a comfortable, quiet spot free from distractions. Get a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper or a notebook. We're going to practice doing a brain dump. And comedian George Carlin wrote a book called Brain Droppings, which is the way I like to think of it. So literally, it's writing down everything that you're thinking of, no matter how silly the thought might feel, any situations, events, people, feelings, emotions, places, it could be anything. Even if you only write down a few things, that is a positive first step. Remember. No one else has to see this, so it's, you know, it doesn't have to be pretty or perfect or organized. And if you'd like to set a specific amount of time for this activity, that's fine, but you don't have to. At this point, if you need a break, do so, and then come back when you're ready. The next step is to look at your page of words and thoughts 
and really examine what you have control over and what you don't. The easiest way to drill this down is that you only have control over yourself, over your actions, how you respond to others, what you do and say. You have control over you only. You cannot control others. And no no matter how much we want to, and that's a trauma thing, wanting to control everything and everyone, it feels like safety for us. So start crossing off those things on your page that you can't control. When you're finished with that step, you might have a lot of things crossed off. The next step is to separate the words left on your page into two categories. One category is facts. The other category is feelings. Facts are things that you know without a doubt are 100% true. And feelings are your thoughts and emotions around those facts. Feelings are not facts. Our brains lie to us all of the time, telling us we're not good enough, not capable, and everything is hopeless. These things are not true. We are all of those things and more, and there is always hope. You may notice once you do this, your facts list is a lot shorter than your feelings list. The next step is to put your facts in order of importance. Which of those things is screaming the loudest for your attention? What is the first must do on that list? Once you've identified that big one, what comes next? Then next, on down, until the last thing you write is the least important. Next, bring your focus on that first most important fact, the one that needs your attention right away. What is one small step you could take in order to begin the process that's necessary in order to solve that problem? Is it a phone call, a text, an email? Is it a chore you need to tackle or a relationship that needs some work? Name one small thing you could do right now to help move you forward toward that goal and take that small step, then the next one. Do this with all of your factual items, one step at a time, one factor issue at a time. Think of it as untangling a knot, pulling one thread at a time. Each pull in the right direction begins to loosen the knot, making it easier to untangle. And you're untangling the knots in your mind by taking any action, no matter how small. The next thing you could do is look at some of your less important facts. Are there any that could be handed off to another person to do to get them off your plate? Could you have said no to any of them? And I realize that no is a very hard thing for we trauma survivors to say. We feel that if we say no or don't do that thing that others want us to do, those people will leave us for good. Saying no feels like a catastrophe, like it'll be the end of the world. Well, by the way, no is a complete sentence, and it's a very important boundary to learn, say, and use. It's healthy for us to say no at times. And we really, really need to do it. 
And guess what? You can also say no and not explain why you are saying it. You don't owe anyone an explanation. How awesome is that? So when you want to, you can look at your list of feelings that you have. What feelings are the most important to you? In taking some small steps towards dealing with your facts, will that help ease any of those feelings? Maybe get rid of them entirely. You can do this exercise as often as you want if you feel it's helpful for you. If you don't like writing, you could type it in a Word document and you can even find different brain dump templates online. This is to help give you some sense of action, like you have some control over your life, even though it feels like you don't. Every tiny step forward is still progress. And be proud of yourself for whatever it is that you do. And just so that you know, I am. Very, very proud of you. I hope that this exercise is something you found helpful. And like I keep saying, it's more tools we can add to that toolbox we're building together. Whenever you need to go to that toolbox and pull any skill out we've learned in order to feel more grounded, safe, and connected, do it. I'm adding a list of all of the exercises that we've learned on my website, InvisibleWoundsHealingFromTrauma.com, and also on my YouTube channel, Invisible Wounds Healing From Trauma. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today, and please, please, please keep on listening. Wherever you listen, please like, subscribe, favorite, and follow me. And what you think really matters to me. And I'm not just saying that. It's really, really important to me. So let me know what's on your mind. Let me know what you think of the show. Anything that you want to talk about, you can find me on Facebook at Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma. You can find me on Twitter at Walker 58 and my websites, InvisibleWoundsHealingFromTrauma.com and AndDBNow.com. Look for my new episodes dropping every Monday on all of your favorite podcast and listening apps. Please take extra good care of yourself. And we'll talk soon.